Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Small Council Radio. So, on tonight's show, we're going to be jumping right into part two of the Baratheons. Um, this sh- hopefully will only be a three-parter. We're going to do whatever we possibly can to finish our what we got for tonight's show in, and then uh, next show uh, will be next Tuesday. Well, I should say the next Baratheon show will be next Tuesday because um, we're trying to fit in some other stuff to talk about this Sunday uh, that's not related to like the new uh, updated stuff to kind of mix some content in there because um, you know I know there's a bunch of people out there that are kind of tired of listening to some of the updated stuff especially because it's been out for a little while now um, but then again you know my, the OCD in me has to finish through all the all the content you know and we're already pretty much you know we're so close to done. I think after this, we just have Targaryens and neutrals, if I'm not mistaken. So, um, so yeah, uh, we're going to try to get all that done with this show and the next one. And definitely stay tuned for Sunday's show. Uh, I'll, once I know more details, I'll announce uh, what we plan to do for that one. Um, but with that said, I want to absolutely thank uh, my co-host, Spencer, for being on for this uh, show again. And then we also have a special guest, uh, I always pronounce your last name wrong, so uh, Joe, uh, if you wouldn't mind uh, maybe uh, introducing yourself, I know we've had you on before, and uh, you definitely bring a great insight to the Baratheon faction. Uh, Thanks for having me, Dave. Uh, My name is Joe Wall. You can say Wall, you can say Wall. Um, Been on the Facebook group for a while, at least a couple of years now. Um, Nice to be back on the show. Was... um, one of the Baratheon first 2021 talks we did came on to talk about the new tactics cards. I believe that was a really good time, and uh, Tony was uh, joining us then. So good to be back, talk about some of the other stuff. Loved your last show, by the way. A lot of good ideas on some potential changes down the road and playing around with things. So uh, maybe more of the same tonight. Awesome. Yeah, again, I appreciate you coming on because, you know, uh had you on that last, uh, the last show or the last time, and um, it was definitely a great episode. So, but without further ado, going to jump right in just to make sure we can get through all this content. Uh, we're going to uh, pick up where we left off with the, uh, part one, which was with the NCUs. Uh, first one we're going to talk about is Axel Florent, Hand of the Queen. Uh, he has the ability in... Uh, Relor's name. He has the influence when influencing an enemy unit. If you control the crown, they suffer plus one wound from failing panic tests. And if you control the letter, they cannot be the target of friendly tactics cards. Uh, he has four points, and um, I want to say he's uh, he's a great uh, NCU. I don't I don't see him as some auto pick, but I don't see anything really wrong with him. The crown part is all right. Um, generally, you don't really want the crown uh, for its effect. So um, the fact that uh, he can't, like, replace the crown's effect, he just adds on to it. means you're probably going to want to take the crown with a different NCU first and then possibly place him or maybe place him on the letter, uh, influence an enemy to get that effect right away, and then... Uh, maybe take the crown as your next action, maybe with, like, Peter, and then replace it 
and use another effect. That way you can have both effects uh, affecting the enemy. But there's some pretty cool things you can kind of do with him. Um, Joe, we'll start off with you. What, uh, what are your thoughts about Axel here? So I, I actually really like this version of Axel. I, I didn't really like the the earlier version of him, even though he did get more use, I feel like, just gauging the community's interest in the character. I, I think the older version that I believe did two wounds when you exchanged a token, it was like a, you know, he was sort of the, the wolf sniper for a little while there, uh, doing two wounds to two wound uh, solo units and stuff. And I... That one was a really tricky one to play. I mean, when it when it worked really well, um, it was awesome, but it also could turn into some feel-bad moments for a negative play experience where, you know, you you use um, Stannis. You know, I use the Stannis ability or card that let you drop tokens down aplenty, the Will of the One True King, and then, you know, with him in there, swap a couple tokens out and, and kill something. And I just didn't really like the way it played, uh, this new version, I think, is fitting with the faction, and the two zones that he uses are ones that you're already going to want with the rest of your cards. And so, you know, to your point, it's a, a reasonable four-point cost. I don't think it really needs to be revised much. Maybe some things around the army, around him here, could be stand to, to be revised a little bit, but... This guy in, in a vacuum, uh, I don't really see a problem with it. And I've used him before. He doesn't seem to be super popular, but I've used him well, and I've done the whole bat, the uh, the tactics zone grab that you suggested. If I'm going for the tactics zone first, he's the guy who grabs the letters, and then, yeah, as you said, I, I can use someone else later for the crown and get the other ability because most of my opponents don't typically want the crown and it seems to be one of the weaker if not the weakest zone so um i really think his letters ability is the best part of him but yeah worthy four points um wouldn't obviously be worth it for five but um we have some other ncus that aren't costed i think as as well but this one doesn't bother me yeah and so i did mention i agree with all that and i want to clarify real quick that i did mention that you know him taking the crown i suppose if you use Crown Zap, who he influences, you'll you'll obviously have a, a morale test at minus one plus one. So there is that, um, but yeah, it there's definitely it, it is nice that both of his effect or both effects that he needs uh, revolve around the spots you already want. Um, so it's already usually going to be baked into your game plan of trying to get those zones anyways. So uh, it, it definitely is not as big of a deal. Um, <clears throat> But, uh, but yeah, like you were saying, I think he's he's easily taken more so for his uh, effect for having the the mail than the effect of having the crown. But you know, having both is always nice. Um, and not to mention, uh, we'll talk about him next Tuesday. But uh, the Relore Stannis, I want, or maybe uh correct me if I'm wrong, is it the Ruler Stannis or the Axel Commander that has the card where uh if you like take a panic test, uh if you pass or whatever, the opponent takes the amount you would have failed by? It's an Axel card. 
Oh, okay. All right. Then you couldn't combine. I was thinking, you know, I thought it was Stannis. I was thinking you could combine the plus one with that card or something. But, no, it's they're both Axel. So I guess you wouldn't be able to do that combo. But, yeah, overall, I, I like this NCU. I think, uh, I think he's fairly costed, and he brings a unique, uh, you know, tactic to the um, – to the Stannis side of things. Spencer, what uh, what are your thoughts? So I really like him. Uh, he, like you guys have said, he's a good four-pointer. I do look at him and I go, oh, the main reason you take him is for the mail. Uh, that's the best effect, in my opinion, out of those. Um, I have definitely you think he's situational. There's armies he can completely shut down with that mail ability. Uh, specifically, I've used him against Greyjoys to ridiculous effect when your opponent can't use what is dead and, you know, some of the healing cards really kind of shut down some units' potentials. Um, very nice. I, I like him. Uh, I think there's a slight problem with another NCU that we'll talk about shortly, but overall he's good. I, I don't use him in every list, but I use him in plenty of them. All right. Um, next up we're going to be talking about Courtney Penrose. He is also a four-point NCU with the ability, uh, he starts the game with three order tokens on him. Each time an enemy NCU activates, you may remove one order token from Courtney. If you do, choose two zones. If that NCU claims either zones this turn, before resolving that zone's effect, target any number of friendly combat units, restore D3 plus two wounds total across these units. So, um... I think he's an amazing four point like he's he is on the uh right on the cusp of being like an auto include for uh Renly side uh NCUs because not only is his healing amazing, the only way to avoid that healing is to straight up not uh place your NCU on the board, which is arguably uh, just as powerful, you know, because he could do that three times in a game, allowing you, you know, because let's say you don't start doing it until turn three, that's turn three, four, five, where you could essentially make sure that an NC, a certain NCU does nothing, especially if you um, combo him with Olena, uh, if you wanted to run those two as your two NCUs, you could really shut down your opponent's uh, NCU side of uh, of the game, uh, or you let them heal and healing up uh, anywhere from three to five, and we'll just say the average of four, you know, is huge. I mean, that's a rank on a unit, especially if you're going to be healing something like uh, um, Champions of the Stag or uh, Stag Knights. Um, Spencer, we'll go with you first. I know you've played him quite a bit. Uh, what are your thoughts on Courtney? So I have very mixed feelings about Courtney. On the one hand, I agree he is probably the best four-point NCU Baratheons in general have. Uh, he, he does great things. My conflict comes in, no one ever lets me heal. So all I'm getting is the opponent not getting his own, which is really good still. Don't get me wrong, but there's plenty of times where I'm like, dude, I, I actually need the heal. Um, please take a spot. Let me heal. Uh, <laughs> otherwise, he's great. Um, zone control, uh, specifically him with, like, Olena, and you're like, I'm completely controlling tactic zone stuff. 
um, it, it can get really cool and it can get really frustrating for my opponent. Uh, like I said, it just kind of sucks that my heal is completely dependent on does my opponent let me get that heal. Uh, it is a very strong heal, so I understand why opponents don't let me get the heal, though. Healing five across the board is a lot. Uh, very few things can heal that much. Um, very, very good NCU. He's in almost all my Renly lists, except for, I think, his own list, because obviously I can't. Uh, I think the other problem is he's arguably the best commander we have as well, uh, for uh, Renly side at least. So it's like, okay, you're you're probably going to have one list where Penrose is your commander and then another one where he's going to be an NCU. Uh, very good. I usually do it when there's only two spots open. Use his uh, token to be like, okay, if you take a zone, you have to give me a heal. Um, like I said, almost all the time, my opponent just chooses not to take a zone. Uh, but there's still benefits from that. My opponent can't replace that zone now with something else. Uh, they can't, you know get any effects off of it they're just basically passing an activation back to me uh really really good really strong recommend if you haven't tried him out try him out just don't rely on his healing (laughs) (laughs) yeah Uh, i know most of those games are you know or i should say a lot of them are definitely me and like you were saying, you know, the healing is so great that, you know, I'll just not take a zone because whatever effect I'm about to get out of that uh, zone is definitely not going to outweigh you getting five wounds back. Because even though four is the average, you know, you could roll one and only get three, uh, you know, I just, I always assume it's going to be five, you know, worst case scenario. So I'm like, you know what, no. If it was like D3 plus one, uh, I would be more inclined to take the risk because even worst case scenario is four, but you know, knowing that it is possibly going to only be two, I might take that risk. Um, I'd almost maybe rather see him have like four order tokens and just be, you know, like straight up D three or something. I don't know. Or D three plus one. Um, that way he can do it one more time, but it's not such drastic of an effect. Um, but like I said, he's an amazing NCU, um, and you know I have him in most of my Renly side lists as well. Uh, Joe, what about you? I know you're more so a Stannis player, but uh, do you ever kind of wish he was uh, this ability maybe? Maybe not Courtney himself, but this ability was uh, something you could be running in your uh, Stannis list? Oh, Dave, I am a 100% Stannis player, and I don't I don't apologize for that. Um, so most people know that on the Facebook group at this point, but uh, this is, to your point, yeah, this, you're, you're, you're spot on. This is one of those characters that I wish I had as a Stannis player because we have very little access to healing. Uh, there's that Baratheon Justice card. Sometimes if you have the letter, I think you get two wounds or two wounds replenished. Um, and then you've got the Davos at one point attachment we'll get to. But, you know, this, this is what an interesting ability Courtney Penrose has. I mean, just mechanically. I mean, I know it can be frustrating, as Spencer said. I could see how, you know, if, if the opponent's not cooperating with your plan there, you're not getting what you want. But just the way it plays out, the interaction between the two players, it's just an interesting mechanic for an NCU to have. And 
it, it does kind of feel like it could be a Stannisy thing too, or at least modified a little bit with a different character, or even a Stannis NCU version himself for when the big man isn't your commander. Uh, it, it just it's very tactical. It just seems like something that I could see, you know. I, I imagine just Stannis pouring over the painted table at Dragonstone and just <laughs> making his plans and everything. And th- this would kind of fit in well with that. And so it's it's the sort of interesting mechanic and option as an awesome four-pointer that I'd like to see more healing potential. Not a ton, but maybe a little bit. I know it's what Stannis' side isn't known for, but... At length, we've talked in the Facebook group and in the Discord to, to a degree on the lack of solid identity in the Baratheons, and I, Stannis right now is kind of half control. They leaned into that a little bit more this version, which is nice, but half control, half panic, but not super strong in either. Um, so you know, having an option to replenish some of the... The, the lesser armored units would be nice. So I'd, I'd love a Courtney Penrose, but, you know, still got to be a standard <laughs> man. Yep. All right, well, with that said, we're going to jump over to the next one, which is Alistair Florent. Uh, he is one of the two uh, neutral, or I shouldn't say neutral, but um, non-alignment uh, uh NCUs that so can be run with Renly or Stannis. Uh, his ability uh, is shifting loyalties. Alistair begins the game with three order tokens on him. Each time Alistair claims a zone, after resolving that zone's effect, you may remove one order token from him. If you do, move him to any empty zone or, or switch zones with any other NCU. He is also four points. Um, <clears throat> Personally, he uh, he is probably my favorite uh, Baratheon NCU, and that only is because he's essential to running uh, some of my favorite Baratheon lists, which is running Alistair and Littlefinger as my two NCUs, and then I just flood uh, the field with as many units with uh, either Bronn or uh, Stormcrow Lieutenants. And between Alistair and Littlefinger, you basically can guarantee the uh, wealth zone every single game, no matter what, unless your opponent has uh, uh, their own Alistair or something that somehow prevents you from uh, going on a zone. But, uh, you know, you can always, on your turn, Littlefinger on the wealth and then target a different spot. Um, on the turns where they try to take it from you, you just Alistair and swap. Um, and then even Littlefinger has a once per game to make you automatically count as the wealth. And, you know, giving Wardens uh, the ability to always have six dice no matter what rank they're on and Sundering uh, makes them, you know, actually fairly, you know, you know um, have some per- uh, fairly decent uh, damage output. You know, and no, it's only six dice hitting on fours, but with that sundering, it goes from a unit that's really just poking you with a stick to something that might actually take start taking chunks out, especially with their counter strike, you know, and their great uh, armor. You know, you're not you're probably going to be doing a lot more damage than your opponent will to you, unless it's some like high, you know, like eight eight point unit or something, or some like superstar uh, offensive unit, but. Um, 
or even like uh, one of my favorite combos is running Braun in Sentinels. A lot of people have complaints about Sentinels, but Braun was the wealth zone. Now means uh, you can uh, motivate it by coin to uh, get a free attack with Sentinels, and if you have the Sentinel order, so if you can Sentinel free charge and then take the wealth zone to get a free attack and um, activate normally, you could have three attacks in one round. Not only that, but while controlling the wealth zone, your Sentinels now become a three up, five up. You know, a three up armor save and a five up morale. That is, in my opinion, that's awesome. I know they're a seven point unit, but I think. Uh, I think they become a, a really dangerous seven-point unit at that point. But uh, to get back to Alistair, he is, like, essential for that combo. And I know in a lot of my games, my opponent just doesn't even bother taking the Wealth Zone. Um, but that also lends to why running Braun in them is important, because your opponent thinks twice about not taking it, allowing you to get a free attack. So, But more often than not, my opponent will just ignore it knowing that unless they need to heal, they're not going to be able to stop me from getting my combos off. Um, Joe, what do you think about Alistair here? Have you used him uh, at all? Yeah, I have. I mean, I, I liked Alistair before when he had just the two tokens. Uh, now that he has three and didn't change cost, uh, he, I, he's obviously just, just better. He's, he's the same guy, just with a little bit more panache, He's still rocking the facial hair. I think we saw Michael Chennault rocking the same style uh, a little while ago in those previews on that um, <laughs> yeah. that podcast they did. Um, but yeah, he the, the guy's kind of a a sleeper hit, and you know he doesn't really get talked about too much. I feel like um, he's not in that many lists. I feel I run him a lot, and you know I'm a casual player, of course. So just as a disclaimer there, but. Um, for me, it's just he's similar to how you use him. He's my coin bag grabber, and by that I mean when I need to heal, given that we have very few, as I mentioned earlier, few options for healing and opportunities for that, I grab the coin bag to heal, but then I don't really want to stick around on the coin bag because it, there's literally nothing else in our army unless, of course, like you do, you, you load up with, uh, neutral and Stormcrow stuff, you're, you're either leaning into that or you're, you're not thematically, I feel like. But uh, none of the army inherently, the Baratheons, wants the coin bag. So I want to heal, but I don't want to stick around. So I can use him to grab the coins and then swap with someone else or into another zone I do want. And it's especially great if my opponent took one of the zones I like, like the letters or the crown, I can then stick them with a zone that they won't want. And so at least, you know, in my little mini meta where I'm playing you know, Targaryens and Starks a lot, uh, they also don't really care to have the coin bag that much. So I can stick them with it, and then they're there. They can't move, and then I can leave. And so that's something I like to, to do with him. Um, and he's just he's very versatile. So him and the, and the Peter Baelish combo you mentioned – uh, yeah, and that lets you do a lot with just the two NCUs. And I, I know the three NCU meta is still very strong in the competitive scene uh, casually, especially with three-player games where I'm playing with my brother-in-law and my dad. Uh, two is seemingly the ideal with the three of us using one tactics board. 
uh, with one of them getting blocked out of a spot of a zone. Uh, so we usually run two and then fill the rest of the points with uh, uh, better attachments or an extra combat unit. And so he's for the two NCU complement, he's often a go-to for me. Uh, I'm, I'm really enjoying using him, and he's a real pain for the, the opponents in a lot of cases. Spencer, what do you think? Uh, so I pretty much am going to be echoing your guys' thoughts. Uh, I think he's actually really good. I use him somewhat often, a lot of times with Peter to control whatever zone I want. Uh, I'm not, I don't, I mean, I see the power of what David was suggesting, and I've used it before myself. Uh, I usually don't do that, though. I, I just like being able to, since I think we want, Baratheons want two of the weaker zones right now, uh, with the crown and the mail. I, I just like being able to make sure I'm controlling which one I need for that turn. So I'll look at my hand, go, okay, what zone do I need? And between either Peter or or uh, Alistair, I'm going to get that zone. So I will at least get the most I can out of my cards. Uh, and if I think I need both, then I have, you know, probably options to get both too. Uh, he's very ver- uh, versatile, brings a lot of utility. Uh, he, I will say that kind of the same thing. Uh, he was really good even at with only two order tokens. I felt even though before all he needed was a third, now he has that. He's very, in my opinion, very viable with the other NCU options we have as a Veracian player. I definitely agree. I think uh, he went from a a solid uh, four-point NCU with only two order tokens to really good at three. Not uh, not in, like the auto include category, but if you know if you're if you need someone uh, to kind of do you know what he does, you know like if you want some more uh, board manipulation to get the zones, he is your perfect option, and uh, he. Like I said, he's amazing at four points. Uh, not auto-include, he really is just dependent on if he suits your kind of the play style that you're hoping to uh, accomplish. Um, next up, <clears throat> excuse me, next up we have Davos, uh, the Hand of the True King. He has uh, the ability where he starts with three order tokens uh, at the beginning of the game. Each time a friendly unit charges, after rolling charged distance dice, you may remove one token from Davos. If you do, you may re-roll any charged distance dice. And he also has uh, another option, which is each time a friendly unit activates, you may remove one order token from Davos. If you do, until the end of the turn, enemies engaged with that unit may not use orders or be the target of friendly tactics cards. Now, i got to say, at four points... It's it's funny how he could go from, in my opinion, the worst Baratheon NCU to arguably the best NCU for the Baratheons. Now, uh, like I said, that's arguable. You, some would say Courtney, some would say Alistair, some would say you know some of the other ones. But I think uh, it's completely reasonable to say that he's arguably uh, at least in the top three, if not like the top two best NCUs, point for point, of course. Um, you know, they tur- they kept his charge ability while changing it to be uh, even better because now it's after 
uh, charge distance dice are rolled, so you can kind of see if you fail or not. He has, I believe, one extra order token than he did before. And then his second ability, I think that's where he becomes amazing. Um, <clears throat> if, uh, if you remove an order token, uh, enemies engaged with the unit uh, may not use orders or be the target of friendly tactics cards. So if you're running him and Alistair, and you take Alistair on the the letter and influence a unit, now they can't be the target of tactics cards. And then now you can uh, sort of compound on that by uh, using this when you activate, and uh, another unit can't use tactics cards um, until the end of that turn, of course. But uh, Or even another big one is just orders. Um, I know it can't get by, like, ready, aim, release, because they'll shoot you before you're ever engaged, but just some problematic orders, like if you're doing Baratheons on Baratheons, stopping uh, the Stagnite's uh, resilience. Resili- is that the right word? Or Yeah, resi- I always get relentless and resilience mixed up. But, yeah, resilience, the basically the Giants uh, special rule. You can stop that order from happening and really just, uh, you know, pound into a unit that is just moderately defensive, uh, you know, without that order. Uh, And there's tons of different examples where turning off an order is going to be amazing. Um, Another one would be, I believe, uh, uh, set for charge, because um, in order to activate set for charge, you have to be engaged, if you're engaged, this ability is going off, meaning that they're not going to be able to trigger that order. So it has a lot of application to it, and I think uh, Davos, he is in probably just as many lists uh, of my Stannis side as Courtney is of my Renly side. Um, we'll uh, start off with you, uh, Joe, first, since he's uh, kind of up your alley with the Stannis side of things. You know, I I agree that the older version of him was was pretty pretty bad. We talked about that a long time ago on one of the earlier shows, and when this was like maybe a year ago now, um, no one was using his NCU before. I mean, almost no one. It never came up in discussion. Really, it was just like a, a forget about it. If you're not using his commander, no other version of him was worth taking. And now with the third token being added and with the bottom section ability that you just explained uh, now he's totally worth it back in the discussion uh, back on the table which is really nice to see thematically I mean I, as a status player you don't want to leave home without Davos so much of the time it's just doesn't feel right one of the most beloved characters in the story um, a very just dignified model to the sculpt and so not using Davos all the time was almost criminal. So now that he's decent again, although I, I, I don't include him probably as much as I, as I could or should, um, it's not that he's not worth it. I think he is now worth his four points. But for some reason, I, I don't – it's not a go-to as much as it is for, uh, for you, Dave. And that could be because I, I really like his attachment that we'll get to – Whereas before it was the decision was just commander or nothing. Now I actually have to think, 
Uh, I think his commander version kind of fell in popularity, and his attachment and NCU have risen substantially. So now he's being run in those forms rather than as a commander. Uh, but, you know, the, the unit, the friendly unit activating, removing the token, and then shutting off the engaged enemy's orders, uh, I sort of wish it was a little bit more general than that. I could see why they wanted to control it by having it be an engaged unit. Um, it, it almost would be nice if it was a little bit more remote and more generalized to just maybe when an enemy unit activates. I know there are certain abilities that would work for one and not, not the other. Uh, you know, as is, um, there were times where I played him and I was like, wow, I wish I could shut this ability off with Davos, but I'm not engaged with them. Um, but, you know, it's just the other side of the coin. He, he is certainly someone I want to probably inc start including when I go up against those annoying... Um, unsullied pikemen, which are just like, a, a, you know, a, a don't bother with sit on a point and they want you to come and attack them and unless you can turn off their their abilities, which are great. It, it's like, you know, you have to either shoot them or avoid them. And so he, he enables you to actually do something about it other than just shooting. And so we have an answer for that. So I see him in particular builds, which I guess it could be said of almost anything, but um, he's not quite as on the, on the auto-include scale as he might be for you, Dave. And like I said, that could just be because I often like to try to include his attachment for the benefits that it brings. But Yeah, no, I understand. I think it's, uh, I think it also comes down to like uh, individual meta as well. Because um, mm -hmm. some metas, they just and like, um, for example, I've I face so many like, um, like orders that are just so strong. Like for for example, resilience that having that uh, in your back pocket is game changing. Then again, if if you're playing stuff that that isn't really a factor then I could definitely see him as just kind of a strong four-point and not necessarily some, like, you know, higher-end NCU. Uh, so I think it really, it, it does depend on um, what, uh, what your meta or what you often face. <clears throat> uh, Spencer, what do you think about uh, Davos here? So I would definitely say, yes, he is now finally worth his four points. Uh, before he was very, very difficult to use, I, I will leave it. Um, he's definitely worth the four points now. Uh, where I differ is I go, I find him very... Because the most interesting part about him is the shutting off the orders and tactics cards. The problem I've run into is it's a very situational and army dependent of what you're fighting. Uh, there's times I run into you know, a Dothraki army that just, they have no orders. They don't have, you know, they have a couple of tactics cards I'd want to shut down to, for defensive purposes, but not great ones where it's like, oh yeah, I need him to shut that down. Um, so that was been my problem with him, is the, the real thing I want to use him for, shut it, you know, controlling the battlefield a little better, is very situational. Um, I also feel like because of that second ability, he kind of clashes with Axel with the shutting off tactics cards. So it's like, well, which one would I rather have, a remote 
shut down your tactics cards that I find a little more versatile, or this guy who could shut down orders and tactics cards only for a single turn, though, and only three times in a game. I'm usually going to take Axel over him. I find that just easier to use. Uh, I, I think very skilled players could get a lot out of him, though, a lot more than I do. Like, the potential is there. Uh, I just don't find him an auto-include like you're kind of talking about, almost. Um, he, he's not that for me. Uh, he's very situational. I have him in some list, but not nowhere near as many as, like, even Axel. Axel would normally come before him for me. But I do see where he could be useful. That reroll charges when you need it. That can be very useful as well. Um, yeah, just to me, he's a situational guy. He's great when you get the right situation. And then other times I'm like, great, I have reroll charge three times, and that's it. And that's if I need it. And that's all he's doing. Uh, so, yeah, I, I find him situational is what I find him. Yeah, I can kind of see that. I think it, for me it's more so like kind of that ace up your sleeve. Um, I know we've all had those uh, times where, you know, a, a missed charge is like game-changing, you know, missing that charge and it's like, all right, awesome. And then especially when you fail that charge and then you epic fail that panic test and lose a rank, uh, grants you can't. Unless you already had damage, you can't do that anymore. But um, back when it was D3 plus 1, I can't tell you how many times I'd roll 1 on the charge, fail, go like 6 inches, epic fail my panic, and lose a rank. And now I'm open for a charge, and then in some cases just die. But, uh, <clears throat> yeah, knowing he's he's kind of one of those just uh, ace up your sleeves, you know, kind of NCU that... Uh, he gives you two different uh, outlets of making sure to, you know certain things don't happen. Um, so that's yeah. that we can jump over to. Oh, go ahead, Joe, if you had something. I just wanted to say real quick. Thing, the thing is, Dave, the, the extra order token is is great, but it didn't boost the chances of of that reroll at all. So you know you get a charge reroll, but you might fail it the second time too, and you're not going to be happy about wasting the token, which is something we. We talked about, you know, about a year ago well, with his first version, but it was it is still a little better though because before you had to, I believe, use the order before you even rolled, so you wouldn't even know if you passed or failed, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, okay. I I don't remember that part. You could be you could be right. If so, then yeah, that's a, that's a pretty cut and dry case, but. Let's see, I'm looking it up right now. Well, trying to, because obviously all the old cards are kind of gone. But, uh, but, yeah, I could have sworn that was the case. But either way, I think uh, I think he's he's more of like that utility NCU that's going to help you with certain, uh, certain bad uh, scenarios. For example, a fail charge or a certain order that's going to really, you know, hamper uh, your progress in certain areas. Um, next up, though, we have Eldon Estremont. He is four points opposed to his three-point version. And what they did to make him, uh, you know, worth that extra point, I think was a pretty clever uh, a clever thing, which is now he's still essentially, uh, you know, each time Eldon claims his own, you may replace it with. Uh, 
draw three cards, then shuffle one from your hand into your tactics deck. Before, it used to be draw three cards, choose one of those three, and put it at the bottom of the tactics deck. So the reason this is so much better is that uh, it kind of shuffles up your deck. Uh, for those that don't really play card games, shuffling up your deck a lot of the times is a great thing. Um, uh, especially now that uh, you don't really have any cards that are, you know, that you don't want to ever see. Or for, I should say, like, you'll want to see them eventually. Um, and sometimes placing a card at the bottom of the deck with no way to shuffle it almost takes that card out of the game until you draw to your to the last. Shuffling uh, will allow for the deck to be shuffled up, but the biggest part is that you can take the worst card in your hand after that drawing three and getting rid of it, you know, filtering out your hand of that one card that you're like, I definitely don't need this one at this time or it's not a very good card. And then the other important part is it says draw three Texas cards comma, meaning uh, you will then shuffle that one card before uh, you have to discard any cards if you're over um, if you're over your five card hand limit. Now if it said draw three tax cards period uh, you would have to discard a card then shuffle one and that obviously would be uh, a horrible effect uh, in a lot of scenarios but <clears throat> Now, I'll have uh, I'll have you, Spencer, uh, go first. I think I kind of know what you're. We've discussed uh, Elden a, a couple times, but overall, he's just slightly better, and I think he, he's worth four points. I just think the problem comes with uh, kind of the tactics card uh, hand size. So, what do you think about him? So, Elden's having a rough time in 2021. He went from probably, in my opinion, right there as the best three-point NCU. I mean, he basically was a four-point NCU, but we only paid three points for him. Now he is four points, and the game has unfortunately changed around him while he stayed the same. I have tried him a handful of times. Every time I run into specific problems. One I only want five cards in my hand, or otherwise I'm pitching anyway. So it's like, I need the mail, so I took the mail. Then it's like, great, now I can basically never use him unless I've gotten rid of two cards out of my hand already. So I'm either not using him right away, so I can wait for that moment that I can actually get the full value out of him, or I'm just taking whatever zone I'm taking next. Um, it's, And then the second problem is, for him is overall I'm going to call it our deck got overall weaker in the power of our cards so it's like I don't need my you know if I have five cards I have a good shot to have what I need probably one hours of the fury maybe a final strike after that the rest of the cards I find are just kind of utility cards not power cards so I'm not getting real value out of him anymore like before when it's like oh yeah, that's right. My opponent knows I have a counter charge, Ars of the Fury, Last Stand, Stag's Resilient, Hold the Line. Like, I have my entire arsenal in my hand, and he has to deal with it now. That's not the case anymore, because our deck doesn't have that power anymore. Um, our deck got a lot easier to use, which is also kind of counting against him. 
the games I have used him, I've damn or darn neared run out of my deck by the end of turn four, where my deck's just gone, and I'm like, well, I don't want to use him anymore because I don't have any cards really left anyway. Um, and the power of our deck has made it where it's like, great, I've gone through my deck, and I don't feel like I've done a significant extra boost to my you know, combat potential against my opponent. It's like, uh, great, I'm almost out of resource with my tactics, and I'm not really any further ahead than I would have been just by playing, you know, three cards this turn and just drawing all new cards the next turn. Um, so I think he's in a very rough spot right now, and I almost find him unplayable type of rough. Uh, I really wish, if if Simon were to ask me what's one NCU to relook at, this would be my one. Uh for Baratheons. I, I don't feel like he has a place anymore in, in the game for what he does. The hand sh- uh, filtering is nice. You know, it is nice, especially like turn one. Oh, crap, I have an Ars of the Fury in my hand. I don't want that till about turn three. Let's shuffle it back in. Um, that's nice. And I would say if you, if you were to look at changes, I would want to stick with a hand filter mechanic. But he, he doesn't bring enough value for the four points anymore. Uh, I would definitely always pretty much take someone else. And every game I played with him, by the end of the game, I was like, man, I wish I had a different NCU. This, this guy's just not doing it anymore. Uh, I've actually thought what I would do with him is I would change him to, like, an NCU that is, like, Joffrey almost, where it's like I count as controlling the male when he's on the tactics board and then give him some other ability, whatever you want to do with that. Uh, that would have been useful, more useful than this. I just, I can't find a place for him, and I keep trying. And I'm still going to keep trying until he changes, or basically until he changes. Um, <laughs> that, I'm going to keep trying. Yeah. I just, I can't find the spot for him. Well, yeah, and I think you make a great point, is that, like, he's he's a great four-point NCU on paper. Um, but like you were saying, the five-card hand limit and the fact that the Brassian deck, does you can't, it's not an easy deck to just play a card, play a card, play a card. So, like, if you take that, uh, um, you want the letter. So, if you take the letter and you draw those cards, you're not usually going to be able to play your cards fast enough to then later on use Elden to get more cards. Um, and if you do, you're usually waiting uh, later in the round. A lot of times you want to fire off NCU, claim his own, your opponent claims his own, you claim his own. Um, but with Elden, if you're really trying to wait out playing cards from your hand, you might not be able to do that. And then you might be having to pick between the last or last two zones uh, by the time you've used enough cards from your hand. Now, you can make the argument that if your opponent's taken the mail from you, uh, you have Elden to have a way to draw some more cards. But like you were saying, the deck is, in my opinion... Uh, the worst deck in the game. Um, it's just not very strong. Like, you have a couple power cards. Uh, you had mentioned them, Hours of Fury, and uh, um, what's that one called? Uh, Final Strike. Final Strike. Those two are like the golden cards, but then your other uh, 16 cards, well, I shouldn't say other 16. The commander cards can be pretty really nice so we'll just say the other 10 generic cards 
are just kind of like you're saying utility. They're just kind of nice. You know, they, they add a little here, add a little there, but you're never overly excited to see any of them. Um, so I think that really brings down Eldon's value. But on, like I said, on paper, he's, he's awesome. He's a, a solid four-point MCU. Uh, Joe, what do you think? I know you're purely uh, Stannis, but um, have you kind of looked at Eldon and had any thoughts about him? You know, only from the standpoint that I've seen other players discuss him and, you know, what what his changes mean relative to the overall game rule changes. And it reminds me, I guess it's a little sad, I guess, because I was originally pretty jealous of him. I think most Stannis players were jealous of the Renly players when they were first revealing the loyal characters for the loyal NCUs and commanders and this guy was revealed and it was like, oh man, that's awesome. Oh, can't wait till we see the Stannis version of the card drawing character. And then there just kind of wasn't one. So, you know, we were pretty, pretty jealous of it and now not so much, but that doesn't really make me happy as I'm still a Baratheon player. And so it really puts into focus why the faction might be, as weak as it is, the hand limit going from basically, what was it, infinite before, you could have just, you could just hoard cards as you drew them, and now it's just the five limited, and on top of that, the the zones that the Baratheons want that we've discussed, the, the tactic zone, the letter, and the uh, crown zone, th- those have become weakened as a result because of the, the, the panic tests, losing the extra plus one wound, that sort of weakened the crown zap, and the hand limit weakened the letter zone. And so Eldon Estermont drawing three cards when you can only have the five cards maximum, and then, as you guys pointed out, those cards that you're getting, you're not, you're not able to go and, and get those really strong cards because there aren't that many of those really strong cards to be had. And so it all kind of comes together to keep them weaker where the other zones on the tactics board are still uh, every bit as good as they were or more so now because of the weakening of, of our two, two zones. And so um, it's a little bit of a shame, and, and Eldon kind of gets that you know, under the microscope. Yeah, um, so it'll be, I agree, and it'll be interesting to see what they do with Eldon, but to be totally honest, I don't see him changing. I think it's just going to be, he's just going to be one of those NCUs that if you really want to overload on tactics cards, and if you're able to fire them off like crazy, then that's awesome, but I I think he's clearly the the weakest uh, NCU for that, for the reason um, that you don't really need his tactics cards. Does forgive me, but does the Renly side still have a means of increasing your hand sizes by any means, or only Penrose Commander? Uh, okay. So Penrose yeah. Commander maybe slightly better option to include Eldon I in think the list the other with him. If you could have. We, we don't have very many start-of-turn cards, so like we were saying, we can't run through our deck and use him to full value quickly. 
it's you're still just sitting on him. Hmm. And because Penrose, yeah, I mean, it's increased hand size where I'm drawing the four cards rather than three. So it's not really changing my situation. I just have more cards. Yeah, because even though your hand size is plus one, Courtney will let you have four. And so Eldon drawing three, getting rid of one, you'll have six, but you'll still be at your max. So taking that letter, and if you don't want to discard any cards, you're going to have to fire off two of those cards before Eldon can take a zone if you want to maximize, or I should say before you take the letter or vice versa with Eldon. So, um, again, on paper, I think he's he's great at four points. Uh, I just think in the context of the faction and the new rules with the hand card limit that and the fact that you need the letters uh, zone itself, um, he's not, he's, I can't say he's in any of my lists, Um and it's for all the reasons we uh, just went over. Uh, next up, we're going to go over Marjorie Tyrell. Uh, her ability is each time she claims a zone, you may target one friendly combat unit. They restore one wound, and then you may make one enemy engage with that unit become vulnerable. So, uh, I've always felt that she was lackluster before, and I still think she is kind of lackluster now. Um, <clears throat> I think... I don't know. She just needs a little something extra, and I was thinking maybe even if the unit she targets is, let's say, Renly or Loris. If it's Renly or Loris's unit, they heal an extra wound. And, I don't know, you could even be like, they heal an extra wound and... Uh, you may choose any uh, token. I think that would be amazing. I think she'd be a very strong four-point NCU to be able to heal two and then throw a token out, um, especially if you take the wealth zone. I mean, that's like five wounds. So I don't know. Maybe that might be a little too much, but just one single wound and then maybe a vulnerable token because if you're not engaged, I mean, you're not getting that vulnerable. So arguably the first two rounds you play, she's not throwing any token, uh, and arguably not even healing, depending on what's happened. So I would say you're, on average, going to get like four wounds and maybe three tokens out of her. Uh, so I don't know. I, I think she could definitely use a small tad of a boost and like I said it could even be a little situational that way you're not like adding this boost and then making it amazing um, all the time so maybe like I said maybe just uh, when you target Loris and or Renly's unit and that would that would mean if you're running either of them as a commander or Loris has like attachment or something so you could run like Renly commander and then Loris attachment in a unit and now you have two options for Marjorie to target two different options throughout the game to get a little, a little extra healing but to avoid like a double hit, uh, hit with like deadly uh, bloom from Rose Knights you would just word it to say it's one instance of healing um what do you think, uh, Spencer? So, for the most part, I'm going to agree uh, about, you know, the healing. She normally is about four for me with 
you know, maybe three vulnerables, uh, which often has made, made me go, why didn't I just take Tyco for the same cost? Tyco can do a, a heal exactly when I need it for more. Um, I saw a different solution to her. Uh, I kind of get that they wanted to tone down healing on the whole, especially since damage went down across the board. Uh, so maybe you wanted to tone down some of the healing, particularly with Rose Knights being a thing. I saw actually though, so the faction actually in our deck can put out a solid amount of vulnerables. We have two cards that directly give vulnerables, and then we have two cards that can put out other tokens, but vulnerables are an option as well. So I think the one problem with her that I saw was we already have plenty of vulnerables. And the uh, adding a vulnerable while healing one, you're doing kind of two different things. You're trying to push more damage while healing just one. I don't see that as uh, folk stuff for her. I've actually thought if you were to change her vulnerable to a weaken, now she's kind of more focused. Yes, I'm only healing one, but that unit that she's engaged that that unit's engaged with shouldn't be doing more damage unless they remove that token. And it's kind of like a pseudo extra defense, you know, bonus that she's giving without more heal. So that's the change I have looked at. Um, overall, like I said, I would probably take Tycho over her uh, as she is. I just I don't need the vulnerables as much and. I need to heal a more instantaneous heal that's going to cause more of an impact in the game. Yeah, I agree. And not to mention, you know, you know, I know she only heals one, which kind of combos with, uh, you know, Rose Knights, but uh, arguably Tycho is going to combo with Rose Knights better than her if you're running more than one unit of Rose Knights. Let's say you run, like, two units of them, and they each have, like, at least one wound gone, you can Tycho and split that healing between both to get multiple triggers of the Deadly Bloom. So I think, uh, I think, you know, like you were saying, Tycho is just a much better buy for the same points. Um, you know, and like you're also, like you were saying, I, um, you know, we personally have run in the situation where you use, you know, her on a unit and then I'm already vulnerable at that point, and it's just the vulnerable just doesn't do anything because, you know, you could have healed someone else and maybe make someone else vulnerable, but it's like that's not the unit you need to heal at the moment. You need this unit alive, so it's the obvious target, but because you have an abundance of vulnerable uh, between a lot of different uh, factors that, yeah, I think, you know, changing hers to, like, weaken... Um, would definitely be a step in a, a much better direction. Uh, Joe, what do you think? Well, I, I think you guys are are spot on with the weak and vulnerable thing. The the Baratheon deck uh, it is mostly vulnerables. Uh, the Stannis side of things, I have means of additional tokens, um, which is also in his case a vulnerable, but also can change a token. Um, you know, can also use Will of the One True King if I'm running the rightful air. So I have a little bit more versatility with the tokens, and they, they're seemingly, it looks like they hit the start of a theme there with token manipulation for the Stannis side. And I, I, if I played the Renly side, I don't think I'd be that excited about Marjorie Terrell either. I think something that could improve it beyond the weakened token, 
I'd love to see them kind of lean more thematically into Tyrell lists by maybe including the Tyrell as a keyword, kind of like the, um, you know, R'hllor stuff. You have Tyrell, so she could maybe do something extra when you have Tyrell units, and maybe they'll get an extra bump. Maybe they can transfer a token from themselves to the enemy, something like that, um, in addition to restoring a wound. Uh, I just think that would be more thematic, but I also think just in general uh, might be on the minority on this, but I I think that the Renly side in general should really be under the banner of uh, the Reach. I think that, you know, yes, it is the Renly side of the Baratheons, but it's the power of the Reach. You know, the majority of the army was, uh, was that region, so I, I think having people who clearly want to play Terrell. I mean, there's, there's plenty of people who that might be their, their, their chosen house, and in this game you play Terrell by playing Renly Baratheon. So uh, it would be nice if something like the Terrell characters jived in such a way that would let you build a specific list and gave you bonuses for doing that as a thematic choice. Yeah, I definitely like that idea a lot. Um, you know, like you were saying, you know, Stannis has the roar. It would be nice to just kind of have like a, a Tyrell keyword, like a sub sub keyword, you know, because roar is a sub faction within a sub faction of a faction, essentially, and you know, Tyrell could be that for Renly and. I think that would be a great uh, compromise, like you were saying, you know, add a keyword for her that does something if you're targeting a Tyrell unit. And you could even reword uh, Loris to be like, you know, the unit he's in, you know, affiliation like uh, House Tyrell or whatever, you know, for his commander and his attachment. Um, and then you could go, you know, go that route even. Um, but as is, uh, I think... I think she's just a weak four-point unit as is. I, I I think she's still worth four points. She just there's definitely better options uh, that um, can pretty much do what she's already doing, like we were saying Tycho or whatnot. So we'll have to see. Um, but that brings us to our last NCU, which is uh, Celise and Shireen. They have two abilities. The first is an influence. When influencing a unit, it gains plus one to morale uh, for, uh, for morale test rolls. And each time it passes a morale test, one enemy it's engaged with suffers one wound. Then he ha uh, they have necessary sacrifices. When a friendly combat unit would be destroyed, you may destroy uh, Shalice and Shireen if you do. This unit is not destroyed, but remains in play with D3 wounds until the end of the game. And it, uh, and from that point on, it's a R'hllor unit. Uh, this NCU is five points. Uh, and I think, uh, I think it's worth five points. It's just very situational. Um, I think it's really dependent on your list. And again, kind of like Davos, it's it's like having an ace up your sleeve, you know. There's, uh, you know, I know Spencer can attest to how clutch having an effect that, oh, you killed me? No, I'm still alive. 
can be for a game, you know, for in our scenario, it was uh, what is dead may never die when I had my Greyjoys. You know, this one's a little more telegraphed because, you know, the what is dead may never die, you don't know if they have it in their hand or not, but, you know, it's still along the same category. Now, the influence effect is just nice, uh, and the sacrifice part, you could make an argument that you could make this a four-point NCU and it would just be very strong. Um, but uh, I still think it is worth five points. It's just, I think it, it's right on that cusp. You know, it, it's, I wouldn't necessarily say a bad five-point unit, but just barely worth five points, but you could make an argument for four. Um, Joe, we'll start with you first, since this is a Stannis uh, NCU. Man, I am I am so conflicted about this NCU option. I mean, it, it's a it's an interesting model with the two of them on that one base. Um, I haven't painted mine yet, but they're pretty integral to the faction. Uh, obviously, really important to Stannis as a character, and the situational nature of this five pointer. It's it's a lot. I mean, we're used to spending three points on NCUs and in some cases running an NCU commander and then two three-pointers to go ultra cheap. And so it's, it's still tough for me. It's a, it's a tough pill to swallow on a five-pointer. And like you're saying, this is on the cusp. I mean, to me, this is a four-and-a-half-point NCU. And seeing as that doesn't exist, you know, I think it wouldn't hurt the faction given where, they're st- where they stand and everything, and how all the cards are weakened and everything else, having, them be- having this NCU be a little bit overpowered for four points it would not be that big of an issue, in my opinion. It'd be like, yeah, it could be five, it could be four, and maybe it's a little bit too strong for four. I don't think that would necessarily make it some sort of game-breaking balance issue. And it- it's another case of where... I really want to use her more often, the two of them, but you know, there's that theme that is important, I see, in the influence, the plus one morale. I'd, I'd love to see the Stannis side become morale resistant versus, you know, you've got Lannisters that really lean into the morale test, the panic tests, and making you fail them, the Boltons too, the panic theme. That's how Stannis relore stuff at least used to be. Now it's a little bit less into that, and it looks like they're trying to make them a little bit um, more resilient. And I think having them be resistant to panic is is the right way, so kind of the best way forward to really solidify that theme of passing morale tests a lot. And so this leans into that. And then you get to, you know, the unit gets to come back to life with D3 as opposed to one wound that the Kingsmen and the Queensmen have with to the last. But I, it seems like it's the same issue where it's when a combat unit would be destroyed. So if the unit in question is to be destroyed before the panic test in combat, then they come back to life with D3 wounds and then have to take the panic test, at least that's my understanding. And if that is, in fact, true, then... I would at least love to see it reworded so that it's after an attack is completed. If your unit was destroyed, then it 
doesn't get destroyed but comes back with D3 wins. Then when it's at the very end of the process, boom, you come back to life and you're on to the next turn or whatever. So I think that could improve it as is at the five-point level. Uh, but, you know, I like what this is doing mechanically. There's a lot going on here. Uh, but I I don't really use them as much as I want to. And I think they could stand to be made more generalized to be run in any Stannis list, whereas here it's really telling you, I know it's, you know, Queen's men and she's a devout follower of Valor and everything, but, you know, it's still Stannis' wife and kid. So it'd be nice to see them to be just more generally useful in any list. Yeah, and I think uh, if, like, we were given the option to go the simple route and make them four points or uh, increase the strength of the of the unit, I think I would rather just see, like, a, an increase in the strength, almost uh, even going as far as, like, what you were saying, you know, with the changing the wording to where it's after, like, the panic test, um, because, you know, that's like the worst feeling in the world, you know. I know Spencer's had that with his uh, Kingsmen and Queensmen, and I've had it even with uh, What is Dead May Never Die. Just having played that ability or tactics card just for you to then die from the panic test anyways, it it gives you this feeling of, well, what was the point, you know? <laughs> so what, Why would they do it, that? Uh, I mean, why, it, the theme is there. Why would they, like... The idea being, you know, they're 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 to the bitter end, right? It was a, a Stannis quote, you know. Um, well, it was a, a Tywin quote, I think, about Stannis. Of, you know, he'll fight to the bitter end and then some. So it's kind of leaning into the hardiness of it. And you know, that panic test should be something that you're not worrying about as far as coming back to life and standing your ground. So it's kind of a kind of a joke then, and that could bite you right after you use your ability you paid for. Yep. And most of the time when you're using these abilities, they're on average to bad morale units. Uh, so, I mean, it's not like it's some crazy broken thing, especially because with a lot of the to the last, you know, you have, now you have a panic token on you. So, I don't know. Uh, we'll have to see if this changes. I really don't think it will. Um, I'm pretty, I'm yeah, pretty sure Simon's probably happy with uh, with the way it is, and you know it wouldn't be uh-huh. the end of the world if if they don't change it. I just think it's uh, it's definitely not going to see as much play as I would love to see it uh, used. Uh, Spencer, what do you think about uh, this NCU? So I'm going to echo you guys a little bit. Uh, I do think she's about a four and a half, but cost five. Uh, I'm going to agree with Dave, though. I would rather see her buff than drop. Uh, I think they wanted a five-point NCU for Stannis. Uh, I'll go a step further, though, and say I think I would just add she, the unit she influences is also minus one to panic damage or something. So it's like if she's on a Queensman or Kingsman, which I feel is the clear spot she was meant for, is to go on one of those. If she's on one of them, it's like even if you, you know, you make your to the last, you come back, your opponent might not kill you even if you do fail you know, the panic, resulting panic test with a minus one. Uh, no, you would actually, unless you rolled a one twice. Anyway, something, she needs a small buff. Uh, I feel she's just so designed just for Kingsmen and Queensmen 
that the only list I even have her in is a uh, list that has a single, I believe it's Kingsman, just so that she can go on them over and over again. Uh, she, that's the only way I think you can get real value out of her is, is on that one of them. Uh, not that she couldn't go on another unit. I mean, putting her on wardens makes them annoying for my opponent. But I feel like this is what she was made for, was for a Kingsman or King, Queensman. Yep. Yeah, I I, uh, I don't think the second part of the top of the Fervent Conviction ability, the second part of that that's doing a wound to the enemy it's engaged with, it's that's an ability that you see in other units. Is it is it Intimidating Presence or something Sovereign like tenacity. that? Uh, what, what's that? Stubborn Tenacity. St- yeah. Stubborn Tenacity, yeah. So I, I think in this case, I don't really care about dealing the extra wound to the enemy. So if if they were to maybe revise that, I'd love the plus one to my morale test, of course. Um, thematically, that works for me. But maybe the second part could do something else rather than just because that, that's like the Renly stuff. You know, I heal a wound or do something nice and then you take a wound. I could stand if they just completely replaced that with a different little bump just to make the influence part of it uh, more interesting because it's, it's not that it's not that's bad. And you're clearly paying for the second ability to come back to life. They're, they're valuing that quite highly. But because of that whole panic thing, um, I don't value that. And you're have, you have to kill the NCU, too. So, you know, this is an NCU that maybe one of the reasons I don't use her that much in – my little um, casual meta is because we are using, we're playing three-player, which is a weird way to play this game that doesn't work that great as a side tangent. But uh, two NCUs, you don't want to be killing one of your two NCUs. So this is like almost exclusively, in my opinion, for list building, a three NCU NCU. Yeah, and with that said, I would, I would and uh, before we uh, go on to the attachments, just say that now that I'm thinking about it, the fact that you are killing an NCU to do this ability that might not even work because then you fail the panic test, I would argue to say that right. I would just straight up say, I would just straight up say heal four wounds. So remain in play with four wounds, no D3, and this way, unless they have a plus on the damage, you even if you fail the subsequent panic test by three, you still have one wound left. But if you pass, mm-hmm. you have a full rank, but you're sacrificing an NCU. Like you said, if you're running a two NCU list, that's one of your NCUs gone for the game. I mean, granted, that could be the last round or something, but, uh, I mean, when you compare it to, like, uh, half-hand, which I know half-hand six points, and we've already kind of, you know, talked that subject to death, but you know, and it's cross-faction, but I'm just saying he kills himself to stop someone from doing anything for the remainder of the round. No actions at all. Whereas this one can be very situational. I would love to, like I said, just kind of see it be heal four wounds straight up, and that kind of almost solves the whole panic thing, too. That's a that's a great idea, Dave. Um, a simple solution too. I mean, they're clearly giving you the option here. There, there's the possibility they're accounting for it of you rolling a three on your D three. So you, you might get three. They're happy with that. And I had thought w- way back, like I don't know how many months ago was before 2021. They they were trying to limit the sort of random swingy things 
uh, where you needed a six or you needed a certain uh, – and, and so these randomized spreads, they just seem to have reduced them and having D3 be more common so that one to three at least is a narrower range than one to six or whatnot or needing a six. And so knowing what you're getting, you're going to get four wounds and then being able to plan around that and your opponent planning around that just seems like better game design to me. So that would, that would be great, Dave. Yeah, so, I mean, we'll see. Well, uh, just, you know, like I said, highly doubt they'll change it, but I would love to see, you know, that changed. Uh, that one simple change, I think, would make this unit see way more play. Um, with that said, before we run out of time, jump over to the attachments. Uh, I'm going to do three of them, uh, read off three of them, because uh, they're somewhat similar uh, in the fact that they all have the same secondary ability. We're going to go over Andrew, Davos, and Devin. Uh, so first up, we have Andrew Estermont, True Loyalist. He has the Order Insight. Um, when this unit is performing a melee attack before rolling attack dice, this attack is vicious and rolls its highest attack die value. And then he has True Conviction. If this unit is a Baratheon unit, each time it attacks an enemy with more remaining ranks, it may re-roll any attack dice. Then we have Davos, who has... Uh, the order supply aid, start of a friendly turn. This unit suffers up to three wounds and restores one plus that many wounds to one other friendly unit in long range. And then he also has the true conviction. And then lastly, lastly, we have Devin. Uh, he has the order reckless heroism. When this unit performs a charge action, before resolving that action, this unit suffers D3 wounds, but counts as rolling a six for any charge distance dice. And then again, he also has true conviction. So... Um, Correct me if I'm wrong, are they all uh, two points or one point? Where are they mixed? One point. They're all one point? Yep. yep. Okay, so with that said, I think they're all great at one point. Um, I know sometimes it kind of in Baratheon builds, all three can kind of, it's not like super easy to just fit them in like, like it's no-brainers like some of the other attachments and other factions that we've uh, gone over. But I think uh, they're all fairly costed at one point. It's just they all do very specific things that you really need to build your list around needing them. And to keep uh, and also the fact that the true conviction, um, uh, which we call it, the true conviction is very situational. But that lends me to, uh, you know, the point um, about Davos. He is my favorite of the three, and that's because I love putting him in a ranged unit and then using mm-hmm. his ability to heal. And now if I'm lower ranks, I'm getting, even though I'm getting less dice, I'm getting re-rolls on those dice uh, while getting, you know, the full effect of the supply aid. Uh, De- Devin's probably my least favorite, um, uh, D3 is, it's hard to say, it's its fair in the fact that one wound, if you roll one to auto-charge, is amazing. Then again, rolling a three, it's like, ugh. <laughs> you know, especially if your opponent passes their panic test, I mean, you could be barely doing more damage to them than you did to yourself. So it's kind of its kind of up there uh, of whether or not, I mean, it. It suits its name, though, I suppose. You know, it's, it's reckless. Uh, you're really taking a chance on the die there. And then, lastly, Andrew, 
absolutely love Andrew. He's he's my favorite uh, commander. Uh, I love his model. I took extra time to paint his uh, turtle uh, uh, house uh, sigil on the shield. And um, insight is always a great ability, especially for the Stannis side of things. Um, Joe, we'll go to you first since this is uh, the Stannis loyalty. Uh, what do you think of these three? They're they're a lot more they're a lot more likely to see play than when they were two points. Of course, I mean two points is just a lot of people aren't willing to pay two points for a lot of things, even with those attachments that give you a lot it's still like uh two points on top of even a five or six point unit it just adds up so fast and then you're into elite or cavalry territory and so now these guys are are one point um they all can seemingly be included and yet i don't use them all that much davos is the one that (laughs) i use the most uh and it's partly because as you said the, the true conviction on all three of them, I don't quite understand how it's just a copy-paste because the other two have abilities that are melee-specific, and yet the true conviction works on ranged. So they're telling you you can use it on ranged, but you would almost never put those guys in a ranged unit because their other abilities do nothing for the ranged unit, for a ranged attack. So it, it's strange yeah. that they all have that exact same wording. So because of that, I mean, maybe that's just a little bonus and you're paying for the top ability and not the true conviction. But in Davos, I feel like I'm getting the most mileage out of one point, especially because of the healing thing I talked about earlier, where there, we, you know, as a Stannis player, I, I don't have a lot of healing. He's kind of like a semi-healing, healing in quotation marks. He's, you're still doing wounds to yourself. You're getting an additional one back, so you're getting one on top, but you're still able to kind of spread it around in an easy-to-use way at the start of a friendly turn. And it's definitely one of those things you don't you do not want to forget that you have because it's just a real killer. I've done it before. I've made the mistake of forgetting to use them at critical moments. But, uh, <laughs> you know, when you use them actually correctly, you know, being able to, to bring down some archers, you know, he's decent in light bringers. They're, they satisfy the true conviction thing. You can, they can then spread the wounds to the frontline units and then they get their re-rolls when they're down a rank, and then maybe later you can use the coin bag. Uh, let's say with our friend Alistair Florent, use the coin bag, heal up those wounds you took out of there while they're in the backfield, and then switch them to a zone you want, and so on and so on. So Davos is the one of the three I, I used the most. And Andrew, probably probably the second one I, I like, uh, just because for Stannis, Vicious is, is always handy. Um, the highest attack die value is we could we could stand to have more punch. We don't have a lot of stuff that's uh, really good at at uh, putting the hurt on the enemy. So he just gives them a little bit extra bump. Uh, and then Devin is one that I always think I want to include, and then never actually build him <laughs> into the list. So yeah. it's like I'm gonna tell myself that I oh I, you know Devin and Sentinels or something that would work you know. D3 wounds, but they'll still get to you know, to reroll if they if they lose a rank, and then I get they get their free sentinel thing, and then he'll be able to, you know, he'll be able to D3 wound for a, a six on the charge, but then I just never end up creating that unit slot, and then therefore he never makes it to the list. So uh, it's not that there's a problem with him, but to your point, the D3 wounds, which I wouldn't mind here and there. 
uh, in this particular case and in this particular char- character, the model of which I am not that excited about, um, and models matter, uh, I, I don't see him that much. Yeah, and before I go over to you, Spencer, one thing uh, that we've talked about on the last um, part one of Baratheons is that even though they're all one point, the big problem is almost all of these, or all three of these, the uh, a lot of their perfect uh, units to put them in are like already seven points, and that one point puts them in that eight point category, and then you just again ask yourself, would I rather just take stagnites? <laughs> so um, yeah, and that, overall, that begs the question: Is sorry. Oh, go ahead. It, you know, you saying that just, you know, it makes me think. It, so then, is the issue, is the issue the eight point stagnite unit, which I feel like they're they're closer to being somewhat correct than they've ever been. Is it they, is it their problem or is it these guys still? I mean, one point is as cheap as you can get. It's not that their ability is not worth the one point, but. There, there's now that the army is mostly complete. We, we, we talked about way back when, when they first came out. They're like, oh well, we just don't have all the answers yet. We've got the, we've got the tools, um, you know, or we've got the tool chest, but we don't know, you know, the drawers aren't open, you know, what, to that effect. So it was like, now that we have all the the tools at our disposal, they still don't quite make as much sense in the lists as I think they should. See, for me, I think I think the problem is the stagnites. I think they're just the order resilience is way too good. I know it's just an order; you can only do it once, but um, it is just amazingly good. And I personally think uh, you change resilience to hardened, but then you need to change hardened for everyone to be in order. And then I think they are still a very solid, strong eight-point unit. And now it makes room for the seven-point units taking an attachment and you not feeling bad that you didn't just take stagnites. <laughs> um, Spencer, what do you think about these three? So I think another problem that you guys are hinting at but haven't really hit on the nail Um Different factions will view abilities as higher costed or lower cost. And I think that's the problem with Devin. He hits that point of like, yes, he is worth one point. He is. I, there's really no doubt about it. Is he worth one point in a Baratheon army? That's where I think the problem coming in for him. Um, every wound with how low healing we have, every wound is important. So taking D3 for an auto six it could be devastating to you more than to your opponent. Um, it, it, I, I've, he's one of the only two attachments I haven't tried yet, and it's, it's kind of as being alluded to. He always gets cut. I put him in list, and he'll just get cut. He, I, I, I don't quite know what to put him in. I, I've considered putting him... I, he doesn't fit wardens at all, so he's not going in. Uh, he probably fits Sentinels, but I feel like there's better one-point attachments for Sentinels anyway. Uh, He's got that problem. Uh, Davos, I think, is really good. I like him in Wardens or in... or really Wardens only. 
just because to keep it cheaper still, a six-point unit. And uh, they're, they're one that can still take the durability, that can take the loss of wounds and still have the durability to be okay while healing up other units that aren't as durable. Um, so he's really good. I like him. Andrew, I love in Sentinels. I think he brings a lot to a Sentinel unit. Uh, the Vicious, always attacking with seven die. Uh, I've lost ranks before and remembered True Conviction, so I was like, yay, I have rerolled Vicious and Thundering. Um, <laughs> and it actually feels good at seven points. Um, I think he would work really well in Wardens as well. I haven't done Wardens, but I think he could work pretty well in there too. Uh yeah, I, I like Davos and I like Andrew. Don't really care for Devin though. Yeah, I think uh you know, that's I'm sure that's probably like uh, the overall, you know, thoughts on probably most people for those three. You know, I rate Davos the highest then then Andrew, then Devin, um for those three. Um let's see, so Uh, lump together a couple more. Um, so we have the Pikeman Captain and the Thornwatch Sentinel. Uh, both are a point. They're both uh, generic for the Renly faction. Uh, the Pikeman has Boldness and Courage, so for ranged or melee, it, it's each time this unit attacks, it has uh, if it has full ranks, it gains plus one attack die. Otherwise, it's treated as having plus one rank for attack dice. Then the Thornwatch Sentinel gives Dauntless. Each time this unit passes a morale test, it restores one wound. And Pathfinder. This unit ignores dangerous, hindering, and rough keywords. Uh, both are amazing one-point attachments, I think, uh, for generic. I think, uh, you know, there's lots of combinations for both of them. And I think uh, neither are auto-includes. I think it really just comes down to uh, your play style and... Um, you know, the way your list kind of pans out. Uh, Spencer, we'll go with you first since this uh runly, runly side of things. So, yeah, they're both very good. Uh, there's very good units specifically for them. Uh, the Spearman Captain, right, or is it Pike Captain? Anyway, the Captain, um, he, I have tried in Stormcrow Archers to make them 876 for their dice. I've done them in Stormcrow, or not Stormcrow, uh, Sentinels for 876 for them. He can bring quite a bit of value. Boldness and Courage in general is just really good. Uh, So for one point to be able to put it in whatever I want is quite a bit of value. I I very, very much like him. Unfortunately, I actually, though, like the other one more. I like the Thornwatch Sentinel. Uh, I've done him in... I see three main things that he should go in. Uh, I see him in Sentinels. Uh, I've gotten good value out of that where, like, David, I believe, in a game, like, struggled to hurt the the unit because it's just like, oh, you poke me for two wounds. Then I pass my uh, morale test, and now I I healed one back. Uh, The ignoring terrain, there's times I've taken stakes, put stakes on an objective, and gone, put this, you know, unit across from it and go, okay, if you beat me to it, you got to probably either take the wounds or spend a turn destroying it while I probably try to get on it. Um, lots of value, utility value out of that one, out of the Thornwatch Sentinel. Uh, the other two spots I see him in is you could put him in Stagnites. It makes him nine points. 
but now they're even far more durable. Probably to the durable point that your opponent won't even want to deal with them at all, try to ignore them. Uh, the other one is the uh, obligatory, in my opinion. You have to say Bastard Girls, because Thornwatch Sentinel seems almost made for Bastard Girls. Yeah, uh, you know, that 5-up morale, giving those Bastard Girls, you know, that extra healing. Um, and then, obviously, the Pathfinder, you know, <clears throat> being able to ignore all those keywords for for them is amazing. Um Joe, what do you think? I know I know they're both friendly side, but um, again, have you ever kind of looked at them and kind of been like, you know what, I wish I, wish I could run those on my Stannis list? Uh, yeah, I wish I could do the Thornwatch Sentinel option potentially in a Roller or Faithful unit. Um, that'd be kind of nice. I get to pass on a 4-plus base morale. I get to restore a wound, and then if I have to do some charging and deal with terrain, I can ignore all that nasty stuff. So yeah, Thornwatch Sentinel would be kind of nice, but the Boldness and Courage I'm not too jealous of. I, I feel like our our other um, you know, this other Stannis guys we went over with True Conviction and some of the Baratheon cards do something similar to Boldness and Courage. You know, they let you re-roll if you're down ranks or get an extra die or um you know, roll your highest attack die, whatnot. So uh, the boldness and courage thing, I I could kind of take or leave. It seems reasonable for one point. Maybe, you know, we haven't seen these pikemen guys yet, so, you know, the perfect spot for the captain could, of course, be the unit he's named after. So, um, uh, yeah, I'm not too crazy about him, but the Thornwatch Sentinel guy, like, yeah, I, I, could, I could put him to service. Yeah, I think uh I think they're both they're both great and uh you know, it'll be interesting to see all the different uh units that possibly come out for the Renly side of things, uh to see the some of the combos that can kinda happen with that. Um next up we'll talk I'm gonna lump together a couple more. Uh we'll do the Master Warden. Um he's one point and gives you stand your ground each time an enemy performs a melee attack on this unit. If this unit is only engaged with one enemy, that enemy does not gain charge, flank, or rear bonuses. You have the Red Priestess for one point. Uh, she has the Divine Sacrifices, ranged or melee. Each time this unit attacks before, before rolling attack dice, it may suffer one wound and one panic test. If it does, the defender becomes panicked and vulnerable. And then uh, the Dragonstone Noble uh, Cavalry Attachment. Also one point, gives the Order Sentinel. After another friendly unit in long range is attacked, this unit performs one charge or maneuver action. If charging, it must target the attacker. So, um, the Warden is, I believe, relatively the same. Uh, I think it just changed slightly. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, I think the, he's a great one-point attachment. Um, I never wrote him, though. And that's because right. uh, he just, you don't really want to put them in Wardens because, I mean, Wardens are already defensive enough and you're just kind of turning them up to, you know, you turn them from like a, an 8 out of 10 defensiveness to like 10 out of 10 and, you know, for six points. Um, I, I don't know. I'd rather just fit that other that point somewhere else because you put this Master Warden in like a Warden unit and your opponent 
goes from uh, ignoring them to just ignoring them harder. <laughs> so, uh, and then putting him in more, I mean, he's not a bad option to put in things. It's just, I guess, personal preference that uh, this ability, I just, um, just don't see a lot of value compared to some of the other things that we've uh, we've discussed or will discuss. Um, the priestess, uh, in comparison to other things out there, it's it's a little silly that she has to take a panic test and suffer a wound. But mm-hmm. with that said, I think it's I think without factoring those other things, she's fair. She's give, she can do this every time she attacks to make you panic and vulnerable. I think the problem comes with comparing her to things that are clearly too good. Um, but I, I think her ability is um, amazing uh, and fair. It's just when you compare it to certain other things that it's just like, well, why am I taking a panic test and taking a wound? Um, especially if you fail that panic test on a bad roll and now you, you roll max and now you took four wounds to make your opponent panicked and vulnerable. But, uh, I mean, mm-hmm. she's clearly meant for faithful and that's about mm-hmm. it. I mean, you could you yep. can put her in other things, but on a six Not up a for like, for, yeah, on a six up for your uh, your um, Kingsman, Queensman, or Lightbringers or anything like that, you're really taking a risk. So, but uh, yeah, overall, I, I love I love her attachment. Um, I think you just kind of have to make sure not to compare her to the things that are too good um, for their points. Um, and then lastly, the Dragonstone Noble. For one point, this is actually really amazing, especially now that Sentinel uh, has been changed to give uh, that free maneuver instead of just being a charge. Because um, I believe it wasn't a, a maneuver before. Um <clears throat> And, you know, putting him in uh, Flayed Men, I mean, especially now that, you know, Flayed Men and uh, um, the Champions of the Stag are both only eight points, you know, coming from 1.6 where, you know, Champions of the Stag were 10 points, you know, and having him in there made him 11. Now I feel like, yeah, it's nine points, but I feel a lot more comfortable spending that if I'm getting a free maneuver out of it. I know you really want to get that charge every time, but it's a free maneuver is definitely nothing to um, ignore. I can't tell you how many times, you know, in mine and Spencer's games, even just giving Sentinels that free maneuver to then use their action to almost have a guaranteed charge or in some scenarios having a guaranteed charge, um, especially if it went from the front to now the flank, is huge. So, I think, uh, yeah, the Dragonstone Noble uh, is amazing for, um, you know, just about any cavalry, but I would say Flayed Men would be my number one pick for, for him. The Champion of the Stag is still nice, but that free maneuver, only getting an extra four-inch, you know, maneuver is not as impactful as, I think, the Flayed Men's five-inch uh, maneuver. Um, Joe, what do you think of these three? Oh man, there's a lot here, Dave. Uh, a lot to 
unpack. Uh, the Master <laughs> Warden, the Master Warden had an order before, and now his order is essentially just always, always going to be active whenever um, an enemy performs a melee attack on them. So it, it got better. It stayed the same amount of points, and yet, you know, to the point you made, no one's really using them. So it's, you know, myself included, it's just kind of like Devin. Here's a here's a, an attachment that is nothing wrong with it. I feel like what it does and as often as it can do it is worth the one point. Uh, but you, you don't you don't put them in one of the, the wardens got more defensive than they actually were before. They got a little better for the same five points. The stagnites you talked about earlier, uh, they got that resilience order that makes them really, really tough defensively. And so now, and that would be a nine-point unit if you add the Master Warden, and it becomes stupid, stupid defensive if you add this this guy to them. Um, you know, to the point, like you said, they they might ignore that unit. That unit might be harder to ignore, though, than the Wardens, given its speed and its attack power. And, again, he, it's just he lost his place in the army because you don't, you don't want to add – his, this defensive attachment to most offensive-styled units, you want to kind of double down on that because we don't really even have super punchy units for the most part until we start comboing a bunch of cards and things. So you don't really want to put them on one of those units. You want to add an offensive attachment for an offensive unit. And then our defensive stuff, you want to keep it cheaper or at least not make it super expensive in the case of the elite option. So... He's just a hard one to, to fit in there now. I always want to use him. I love the model. I like the ability. Uh, I think it would come into play in the game. It'd be, it'd be generally useful. Uh, but, yeah, I, I just don't end up using him a lot. Um, and it's, it's really really kind of a sad thing given that he comes like – you end up with like four of the guys from the starter set <laughs> to – to the attachment box, you end up with, you know, at least three or four of these yeah. models, and they are kind of, they're cool looking. Ten of them. <laughs> <laughs> you got ten of them. So, like, you got ten yeah. guys that could basically form, they could basically form their own unit of special uh, Storm's End Guard. But, yeah, so I, I don't, I don't use them a lot. The Red Priestess is, is, yeah, th- that one, I, I think she's about right for the abilities because they they allowed us to keep panicked and vulnerable as opposed to that brief period of time where it was just one or the other. And I, I do think that the extra wound, I get why they did it. If, if you're using it on a unit it it's ideally wants to be in, then you're probably going to pass. And then at that point, you know, you didn't suffer at all to do these things. You get, you just got your tokens for, for nothing. And in fact, in the, in the faithful case, you, you got nothing but good stuff for yourself and negative modifiers for the enemy unit. And so they added that one wound so that you couldn't escape it. But I, I'd like to see it go, I think. I still think the, the panic test from the morale test was enough of a risk that now, like you kind of alluded to earlier, Dave, was she, she can go in the Relore Faithful, and she was a bread-and-butter unit for a little while. People were kind of like, I'm going to add a priestess here and here and here. And there were two or three of them in one army, 
in, in Army <laughs> and and now yeah. she, she she just basically went from generally generally useful to specific to faithful and yet when you run Stannis one true king you might not want to run her because the Stannis one true king cards can kind of make up for some of that and the unit now starts with it starts with a, a faithful token now and so it's a little less useful so I like her in faithful if I have the point if I feel like it doesn't need to be anywhere else too badly but um, she lost a bit of utility and even in thematic lists and and that is something I'm not super happy about um, but it, it's not bad if she doesn't change fine if she stays as the way she's going to be forever now at whatever will will live but the sentinel thing on the dragonstone noble to be honest i haven't used the dragonstone noble yet um just because i tend to run him as his solo version i've been really kind of experimenting with that with mixed results and almost all of which would be the 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 bad results are my fault but having not really uh, experimented enough and played enough with solos in baratheons uh our only four point combat unit option uh, definitely not a good idea against dragons. Found that out. Uh, really, just runs away from dragons the whole game. Uh, <laughs> if he can, if he can, which is to say, he probably can't because he's not fast enough. But you know, I've been trying him out, so I haven't used his attachment version. But against certain lists, especially if they have dragons, um, then no dragonstone solo, twelve wound unit instead. <laughs> so uh, I'd like to, I'd like to use him in future with blade men. Because I've got a cool converted version of him that I, like, changed his uh, hammer out for an outstretched sword. Like, he's challenging somebody, and he's going to look really badass when he's when he's all painted up. And I, I, I might add some flames to the sword, and, you know, he's going to look really cool. And so I think he'd be kind of awesome in a similar unit, maybe proxy to displayed men, if I don't want to use the models. But, yeah, uh, the the order is great for one point. Uh, Spencer, what do you think? So, Master Warden, I've tried twice. Both times the ability did, or one time the ability did absolutely nothing because I charged the opponent and then my opponent charged the second unit and the ability doesn't work when there's two units. And the other game, it worked once when my opponent charged me. Uh, I just, I don't find that one point. It, it's too seldom of a use to do that. I almost feel like it needs the warden needs something else. Uh, I've actually thought if you were to add unyielding to him you could actually see him see play though he still wouldn't be an automatic even with unyielding. Uh, that would just bring something else to him. Uh, the red priestess I do not like as is. I find she's more likely like you said, unless she's unfaithful she's more likely to do damage to me and that's not a good thing. Um, I've actually thought for her, if you were to add a little thing to her of if she's in a R'hllor unit, she gives them plus one morale or something to try and boost up Queensmen and the Lightbringers, and she would work with Mel. If Mel makes a unit R'hllor, now they gain plus one morale. Uh, I think that would be an interesting way to make... Not even comparing her to the other broken stuff that I'm not going to go into that other factions have. Um, 
I just don't see this being worthy of my one point. I don't think I'm going to do four additional wounds above what I was going to do when she could do four wounds to me. Uh, and that's not even including if my opponent has things like intimidating presence or, you know, hear me roar or there's too many cards from free folk. My opponent can play with my own panic test. That's not exactly something I want to give them the option to do. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, the Sentinel, ironically, I for- completely forgot about him, so there's actually three attachments I haven't tried, him being another one. Um, like David said, Flademen. Uh, the other option I thought of when you first brought him up, I think he could be interesting in uh, Zorse Riders to get extra movement to get that flank or rear to trigger their abilities. Uh it is an eight-point investment to do that, but it could be interesting. All right, so uh, we'll do. We have four more to go over. I'm going to lump together three, uh, which are all Renly side. Uh, we got Brienne the Blue. Uh, she's a one-point now instead of free. Uh, she has the ability Renly's Protector. After Renly Baratheon's unit is attacked, this unit performs one attack or charge action on the attacker. Um, let's see, uh, next one we have is Courtney Penrose, uh, he has, um, order tactical reposition, start of an enemy turn, target one friendly unit in short range, they perform a three inch shift, and orders of the crown, each time a friendly unit claims, uh, each time a friendly NCU claims the crown, you may replace that zone's effect with Courtney Penrose's unit performs one maneuver or march action. And I believe he's two points. Uh, and then Loris Tyrell, also two points. He comes with Expert Duelist. Each time this unit performs a melee attack before rolling attack dice, choose one. The attack, the attack deals plus one wound. Or target one infantry attachment in the defender's unit and roll a die. And on a three-up, destroy that attachment. And he also gives precision to the unit that he's on. Um, overall, uh, I think Loris uh, at two points is fair. Expert Duelist is amazing. Uh, he is a little bit more lackluster when compared to other Expert Duelist attachments, but uh, that is not to say that he is overcosted. That's more so to say that the other attachments I think might be just a little undercosted. Uh, I think Expert Duelist is so amazingly good that you could argue that this one ability is two points. Um, depend, I mean, I know that's matchup dependent because you could face a, an army that has no attachments other than the commander, but um, I think, uh, you know, I think he's uh, a strong two-point uh, attachment. He's not um, uh, auto-include by no means, but Expert Duelist is, is uh, always going to be uh, useful since you can't run an NCU commander anymore. Um, Courtney Penrose... Uh, can be amazingly good, but he's situational. Um, the ability to put him in something cheap, especially if you put him in Stormcrow uh, Mercenaries, to basically make a six-point unit, and then first turn, take the crown and march, and start of that enemy's turn, shift three, and then march again. I mean, you could be moving, what, 20, 23 inches in the first turn <laughs> if you really wanted to. 
And then lastly, uh, of the three, uh, Brand the Blue. One point, I just don't really see it. I'd much rather this be a uh, <clears throat> just, I don't know, uh, maybe add in there a free maneuver, uh, kind of like this order sent, uh, this, the order sentinel, um, because, you know, you're paying a point for this, but it's sentinel, but much worse, because it has to attack. I mean, granted, you can attack where sentinel is only a charge or a uh, maneuver. This is an attack or a charge but it has to be specifically against the unit that is attacking uh, Renly. Um, very, very hard to make this attachment uh, worth it. I think uh, that either she needs to go back to zero points or, um, I don't know, maybe, like I said, add that maneuver in there uh, to uh, give it a little bit more um, usefulness. Uh, Spencer, what do you think of these three? We got uh, we're running a little short on time, but uh, yep, I think I'll we can brief. maybe get through it. All right. So Brienne, do not like her. I actually wish she was changed more to be like Jorah the Andal, where she has two interesting abilities, but they have to go in Renly's unit. That being said, though, she is very interesting in Sentinels. It makes them a seven-point unit, but because she is not in order, she triggers at the same time as Sentinel order, and you could use both at the same time. You could potentially get two free attacks if you make the charge from Sentinel Order and then attack again with her. Get two free attacks before your own action. Um, could be fun, uh, but it is a one-trick pony, and it has to be against Renly's, you know, uh, someone who's attacking Renly's unit. Uh, Penrose, as you kind of said, the only time I've used him is in Wardens. He made Wardens incredibly fast, actually. But it was a seven-point unit. I would actually personally throw him in Stormcrow Archer or Stormcrow Mercenaries, and in a five-objective game, he might be able to run across the board and steal an opponent's objective. Um, very interesting. Uh, uh, and then Loris, I look at him and I go, he is worth his two points. The time I used him, I actually ended up running against Iron Makers, and just the precision was making it amazing. Just to be like, yeah, you got to two-up armor, but I'm just fishing for sixes. And I'm just going to try and ignore your armor entirely. Uh, very good, along with Expert Duelist. Very nice. Two points. Again, I look at him and I go, you're going to do Wardens or you're going to do Stormcrow Mercs. But good otherwise. <clears throat> All right, and then we'll, uh, we'll jump over the last attachment here, and, um, uh, which is Axel Florent. He's a two-point attachment, which has the affiliate... Affiliation Rolor, uh, and then he has uh, the Zealous uh, Fanaticism. I don't know, I'm saying that wrong. Fanaticism. But it's, it's also an innate. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> so this is also an innate ability, which is, which is cool. Uh, it's this unit's melee attacks gain vicious and always roll their highest attack die value. This unit suffers one wound for each attack die roll of a one. And then he also has the Intimidating Presence. Enemies engaged with this unit suffer a minus one to morale test rolls and plus one wound from failing panic tests. Uh, overall, I think he's awesome. Um, I definitely, you know, want to run him more, uh, you know, put him in more lists, and I do. But 
Um, yeah, the, even the fact that that ability is an innate ability, knowing that no matter what your opponent does, you're always getting highest attack die value and vicious is huge. Granted, it has the downside that you're going to take a wound, but um, that you know that's that's huge. I think um, we'll start with you, Joe. What do you think? So you know, I mentioned earlier that the the two point thing is tough for lists. I, it, you know, it's it's just a it's a tough pill to swallow. Uh, he is important, though, in a way, in that we don't have a cheap way of making the R'hllor affiliation. So, you know, he's he's the guy. It, it's like we were talking about the Red Priestess. It would almost be nice if the Red Priestess, even if it was toned down, um, granted R'hllor status as a as a one point thing, so you could really. Uh, build the army to that, and in his case, uh, I, I'm i not as likely to want to use him versus his NCU. Um, I think his NCU between his commander and this version of him is the best, like, is the best use of points. The four for his NCU versus the two for his uh, attachment here. But this stuff is, is good stuff thematically and mechanically for the Stannis faction. Um, there's a lot of it here. I almost wish some of it ended up in other places rather than him hoarding everything. Um, <laughs> sort of this uh, this greedy Axel fashion of just like you have all the abilities and none of this other cool stuff um, made it. Uh, but, yeah, it, I mean, I had considered maybe him in Stormcrow's to turn him into a six-point unit that has Vicious, always rolls its highest attack die value. Yeah, I have to take the the one, um, but they, you know, it's a four-plus save unit. If you're running Stannis One True King, if you really need to, you can use Test of Faith and or Azora High to boost your defense save or pass the panic test if you really need to make a clutch panic test save. Um, maybe not the best unit to blow those good cards on, but in a, in a pinch you could. And then the unit, I think, could do more, and it has the coin bag free attack situation too. So you could uh, do the old Alistair Florent thing if you're bringing him or use Peter to good effect and get that extra attack, which is vicious at seven dice on a four plus, which is not amazing, but pretty pretty average, pretty pretty decent. And then you've got Intimidating Presence to work off of potential Lightbringer addition and the Panic game that you're probably playing to a degree if you're leaning into R'hllor lists. But, you know, maybe not the best unit for him to be in Stormcrows, but I like the discount for sure. Makes it a little bit easier to, to accept. And I think that combination isn't too far off of being a worth the six points you're paying for it but it's a competitive it's a competitive slot and every slot is competitive in the army uh and neutrals are a common sight now in baratheons it's almost like you know you're you're not if you're not playing them right if you're not bringing at least uh some neutral units yeah and you know that's definitely great points and I think uh, I think he definitely has a lot of potential in a lot of different units um, but with that said we're running right down to the wire um, that was the last attachment uh, and you know it 
you know, it. Uh, I think uh, Baratheons definitely have a lot of great uh, options. I think, uh, you know, we'll get into some of the commanders in the ne- in the next episode. So. Um, stay tuned for that. Again, I want to thank uh, my co-host, uh, Spencer, for being on. And, again, thank you, Joe, for, for coming on. Um, with that said, everybody, yeah, uh, if you're, uh, if you're you know, still listening, I appreciate all of you guys. You know, Definitely tune in to the next episode. Uh, number one the thing you can do uh, to help us out is just follow us on any of the uh, platforms that you use to listen to us, you know, go to our Facebook page and follow us there. You know, uh, that's that's the number one way you can uh, show your support. Again, you know, I thank you all for tuning in. This is the Small Council Radio, and it is dismissed.